I'm Diana, and I love printing and design, typography and branding, books and publishing. I've traveled the world learning about trends to share with my students and with my readers. But I haven't forgotten where I started, writing papers about paper on paper. And now, I've created a podcast to share what I know with you. So, let's talk paper scissors. Welcome to episode three of Talk Paper Scissors. Now, I love books, and that is no secret. And today we're talking all about books and the making of books. Woohoo! So it's as if your book club and the show How It's Made had a crossover episode, and I live for those. This episode could also very well have been called My Friends Won't Go to Bookstores With Me Anymore, um, because I may or may not walk around bookstores showing anyone who will listen all the cool stuff about book production. And when I was working in industry, I would sometimes see books that I helped bring to life. Game over. Watch out. I will talk your ear off. So with any luck, after this episode, you too will be stricken with an inability to find friends to go to bookstores with you. Now, I worked in book production for a few years. Uh, We worked with publishers who had the content, and we were the ones who created physical copies for them. So it was a manufacturing business, and I worked on both the project management side as well as the sales side. So... Basically, we brought work from a digital screen, so just as a PDF, uh, both text and cover files. We made them actually into books, into the printed page. When I worked in sales, for whatever reason, the book printing that I sold was either kids' books or romance novels. So I had the likes of Math Problems, Level 2, or Math Mistress Teaches Him a Lesson. I also had ABCs on the farm and Cowboy Commando. They were always conversation pieces. Now at the book production facility, one of my absolute favorite things to do was to give tours to customers and students, suppliers, new employees, whomever. So it's probably (laughs) no wonder that I got into teaching. But I really did love watching their faces light up when they saw these huge printing presses for the very first time. And they had a lot of light bulb moments as well when they saw the individual parts of a book at different stages come together. So that's what I'm going to do for you right now. Through the power of experiential learning, we are going to piece a book together. We're going to stick with paperback books today, also called softcover books. So right now, I'd like you to go and grab one off your shelf. Preferably, please find a soft cover novel with text only on the inside, so no full-color children's books, for example, or cookbooks with lots of pictures. Uh, also try and find a bestseller or a popular soft cover book, one where thousands and thousands of copies were likely printed. This helps ensure, although it's not a foreshore, that the book was printed and bound using traditional machinery and techniques versus digital presses. So right now, please press pause and come back when you've got your book in hand. And we're back. So North American printers can still compete in the long runs, so meaning lots of copies, of one and two color jobs, just like the book you're holding. It's interesting to note that it's nearly impossible to compete for color work like children's books with overseas printers. So 99% of the time you can open up a children's picture book to the copyright page and Uh, 
and it will say printed in China or another kind of overseas country. So this is again due to the fact that the resources, so the materials, the labor, the equipment, can be sourced more inexpensively in many Asian countries than it can be in North America. Also to make it make sense for publishers, thousands and thousands of books must be printed at once in order to ship it from that far away. So these books, these thousands and thousands of copies, must be stored somewhere here, which is an added cost and also a bit of a gamble for publishers as to whether or not those books will actually sell. So it makes sense for big authors and big publishers, but it's a little bit out of reach for everyone else. So that's where in the digital world and digital book production, uh, high-speed, full-color digital book printing is a thing that we're seeing more and more here because it's less of a gamble and publishers can be more responsive to what the market needs in terms of content and speed to market. So things like custom textbooks are a perfect example of how full-color digital book printing can be a very important part of the market here in North America. So anyway, I'm getting off topic, but I do want to get back to the nuts and bolts of books and that book that you're holding in your hand right now. So if any of this becomes a little bit difficult to picture, head over to www.talkpaperscissors.info for the show notes where I have some really good visuals for you. All right, on with the show. Here we go. So there are two main parts of a book. There's the text, which is all of those inside pages, and there is the cover. There are three main processes to manufacturing the book. So if there's a text and a cover, we need to print the text, we need to print the cover, and then we need to marry or bind those two parts together. So that's what we're really looking at. I'm going to walk through the three main processes to manufacturing a book, printing the text, printing the cover, binding it all together. So the text. Now the text is typically printed at high speed on a printing press called a web offset printing press. Now why is it called a web offset printing press? Okay, let me focus on the word web. So a web, all that is, it's a big roll of paper. It's kind of like a giant roll of toilet paper that weighs thousands of pounds and is as tall as a person. So the roll of paper is fed through a series of rollers throughout the press. And offset printing means that we're printing the same image over and over and over again from a master. Uh, and that master is a printing plate. So it's a thin aluminum printing plate with everything we want on the final page on that plate. So again, I won't get into the, I, I try not to bog us down in details, but just know that the text is typically printed from a roll of paper, also called a web, on a web offset printing press. Now, keep in mind that pages are not printed in order. So we're not going to print page one and then page two and page three, etc., etc. Instead, there are many pages that are laid out on that printing plate. Uh, we also call this imposition. And they are laid out in such a way that when the text pages are printed and then folded down, the pages will be in the right order. Cool. So another thing to keep in mind, both sides of the web or of that roll of paper are printed at the same time. So both front and back are printed at the same time, which significantly speeds up the printing process as well. 
Now, the text component, so all of those internal pages that are printed, are broken down into what we call signatures. Now, a signature is just a fancy name for a section of the book that we print all together. Signatures, keep in mind, are not the same as chapters. So they aren't broken down by content, the way that chapters are. Instead, they're broken down into logical sections for printing the book. So for example, pages 1 through 32, perhaps, so the first 32 pages, may all be printed together and may all be laid out or imposed on that printing plate, and then they're folded down, and there you go. You have your first section of the book, or first signature of the book. It might be 32 pages in length. Now, it's interesting to note that most signatures are a multiple of eight. So, very commonly, Signatures can be grouped into 32 pages at a time or 48 pages at a time, which is why there are often blank pages at the end of a book to make it a multiple of eight. Therefore, a 288-page book might be made up of nine 32-page signatures. So really quick math, nine signatures times 32 pages each gives us that 288-page count. Now, I want you to hit pause, and I want you to figure out how many total pages are in the book that you are holding. So remember that each single sheet or leaf, as we call it, sheet of paper or leaf of paper, is two pages. Also remember that you can't necessarily go by the page numbers because sequential numbering usually starts after all of the front matter. So the copyright page, any additional title pages, for example. Okay, so take a second. Pause and check out how many pages your book has. Okay, go. See? Multiple of eight. Cool. So getting back to the press itself, the paper is not only printed, but it's also cut and folded in line on a web offset press. So what that means is this lean mean printing machine not only prints, it cuts, it folds all on the same piece of equipment. A huge roll of blank paper is fed into the press and printed and folded signatures, again that section of a book, are spit out the other end. So all of the signatures are printed. Signature 1, all the copies are printed. Signature 2, all the copies are printed. Signature 3, and so on and so forth until all of the signatures are printed. And so again, if we're thinking about a 288-page book made up of nine signatures, we have nine total press runs to do. And we change the master, we change that printing plate each time for the new signature. Now, all the signatures are bundled up placed on a skid and taken to the next step in the process, which is bindery. But wait, we are missing something. The cover, of course. While the text, or again, the inside or the internals of the book, are typically printed from a roll of paper, covers are printed from sheets. So if printed in the traditional way, this means doing so on what's called a sheet-fed offset press. It's similar to a web offset press, but smaller. So in that each cover is printed over and over and over again from a master printing plate, but it is different in the sense that we are printing from sheets and not a roll. Now, what's interesting to note is this is true for a lot of books, especially books that have very, very 
a high number of copies printed in a single run. So probably, let's say over a thousand copies, anywhere over a thousand, you're going to print using a sheet-fed offset press. But more and more printers are seeing the value of printing covers on digital presses. So even when the text is printed conventionally on a web offset press, sometimes printers will choose to print the covers digitally. So what this allows for is faster speed going from a digital file to a final printed piece. You can just essentially click print. Uh, we can customize the covers and really what's what's really neat is having the ability to print a single cover so that publishers know exactly what they can expect that final cover to look like. So when I worked in sales this was hugely valuable, hugely important that we could just click print, go right to the digital press and I could show that cover to my customer and say this is exactly what what it's going to look like. This is the color that we can expect. This is the type of quality. And there was no doubt as to what the final covers would look like when you pressed print on the rest of the covers. So the quality of digital presses has vastly improved in the last few years to the point where even experts have a hard time discerning conventional from digital printing with the naked eye. So if the experts can't even tell them apart, then it can be assumed that readers won't know the difference either. It just looks like a really great printed cover. Now, something else kind of fun to note is that most soft cover books are either 10-point cover stock or 12-point cover stock. So that just means that refers to the thickness of the stock. Now, uh, this is my party trick. I can identify the thickness of our cover stock on most soft cover books. So it's not overly useful uh, if there's for example, a zombie apocalypse. And now that I think about it, it's probably also not overly useful at a party, but hey, I can do it. So covers are uh, typically printed using the four process colors. We've got cyan, magenta, yellow, and black, of course, CMYK, cyan, magenta, yellow, and black. And when these four colors are laid over top of one another in varying amounts across a printed page, you get all of the colors of the rainbow. So all of those colors in the visible spectrum. And really, these four colors are behind most printed items that you see around you. We'll talk more about this in another episode. But what I want you to do now is I would like you to feel the cover of your book. So that book that you have in your hands, feel the cover. Is it glossy? Is it matte and dull? Or maybe it's uncoated. So coating is added to a book for sensory reasons. It feels good in your hands when you pick it up from a bookshelf or when you're sitting there reading that book. Coating is also added for aesthetic reasons. So sometimes covers can contain both matte and glossy areas. We call this spot gloss or spot UV coating and it can add a real pop to the cover. And it's also, coating is also applied for protection reasons from handling and even water damage. Coating can really help keep a book looking good for a long time. Adding coating to a book is kind of like adding the soundtrack to a movie. So you've got a really good script, really great actors, the film is well edited, but until that soundtrack is applied on top, the whole thing lacks a certain level of depth and intrigue. Same goes for a great printed book. Coding brings it all together. Now, most books have some sort of coding on them, but that may have been applied after printing, 
right on the printing press or as a separate process after printing. So printing happens first and then coding happens afterwards. And for all of you designers out there, coding is a huge opportunity to be creative and make books stand out on store shelves. We can't get over the fact that we all judge books by their covers and adding that extra pop, extra dimension that coding can give you can really make your cover stand out. So when I worked in industry, my favorite thing was when my clients would use glitter. So coding with glitter inside on their covers. Now, if you ever see a book with glitter on the cover, you can rest assured that it's a very scientific and exact process. So what we did is we grabbed a bag of glitter and dumped some into the coating liquid. Does that look sparkly enough? This is what my coating supervisor would ask me when I was doing a press check on behalf of a client. My response, keep going a little more. Yeah, my glittery dreams came true on those days. All right, so now we have our text. We have all of our signatures that make up our text component. We have our cover that's been printed and maybe coded. So where do we go now? We go to the bindery. Now most soft cover books with relatively high page counts, so essentially page counts that result in a spine that's an eighth of an inch or thicker. An eighth of an inch isn't very thick, so most soft cover books are hot glued together. And we call this type of binding perfect binding. I actually don't know where the name originates. Hmm, I'll have to do some research. But perfect binding is simply hot glue binding. And it's literally like a giant glue gun that is designed specifically for book manufacture. Now some perfect binders can be 30 feet long or more, depending on how many signatures uh, the, the machine can, can accommodate. So each signature is loaded into a compartment at the front of the machine, the more compartments, the thicker a book can be and the longer the machine becomes. These compartments are also called hoppers. So just another term, another name that I'm throwing at you. Now what's most important to remember in this process, in the perfect binding process, is that signatures are stacked on top of one another in sequential order. So these signatures that we've created are not inserted into one another, they are actually stacked on top of one another in sequential order. So remember that they're already folded down, the text pages are folded down so that they're in the right order, and that happened directly after printing on a web offset press. So now they just have to be assembled or put in order by stacking them, stacking those signatures on top of one another. Now, once the complete stack of signatures is assembled inside the perfect binder, inside the machine, they're held together by a clamp and the spine of the signatures where the glue will be applied is actually ground down a little bit with a saw. Now, if you want to picture what this might look like or sound like, it kind of sounds like a skate sharpening machine. If you've ever had your skates sharpened, if you live somewhere where you can skate and you've had them sharpened, it sounds a bit like that machine. Now, after that spine has been ground down a little bit so that the glue can be better absorbed into the spine of the book, the hot glue is then slathered on. And it's slathered onto the spine as well as a little bit on each side of the book. So the first page and the last page. Now take a look at the top of your book and notice that glue 
Notice that the glue is also on the first and last pages so that the cover has something to stick to. And this helps also hide the glue on the spine. Imagine for a second that the glue wasn't there on the first and last pages and how much more brittle that cover might become and might even snap off where it's scored on either side of the spine. So that, that extra little bit of glue on the first and last page really helps keep the cover in place and protect the book as a whole. So while the glue is still hot, the cover is then slapped on. It's applied and the book in the clamp keeps moving around the machine to the next step. Now what is that last step before giving the hot glue some time to dry and then boxing up all the books? Well, the last step is to trim it down. The book as it stands right now, that book block, right? So the collection of signatures that make up the text is what we call the book block and the cover applied. It really does look like a final book at this point, but we still have some excess material, excess paper and printing on all the sides of, of the book. So in order to make it a saleable product, we still need to trim it down into its final size. Now, what happens is on the perfect binder, we have the ability right here in line to trim it down. We need to trim down three sides. Now, why three and not four? Well, the spine, of course. We don't wanna trim off the spine that we just glued on, but we do wanna trim off the top, bottom, and face of the book. So a giant knife with three blades, this is called a three knife trimmer, it comes down from above and cuts through the paper like butter. It's kind of like a giant cookie cutter that's the exact final size of that book. So after it cuts the book on three sides, voila, we have a finished product. So to recap, the insides of the book, also called the text, is grouped into signatures or chunks of the book and it's printed from a roll of paper on a web offset press. The cover of the book is printed and coated, maybe on a sheet-fed offset press, maybe on a digital press, and coating is likely applied to give the book shelf appeal. Now all the text signatures and the finished covers are taken to the bindery department where they meet up for the very first time to live happily ever after together. Et voila! we have a book. I just love a happy ending. So there's lots more I could get into about this process and about physical book design in general, but I'm going to save that for another episode as well. So let's end off with a little quote from my pals at the office. This quote comes to you from season three, episode 16, Business School, and it's from my pal Dwight. Here's what he says. Whenever I'm about to do something, I think, would an idiot do that? And if they would, I do not do that thing. Dwight. So, let me ask you, would an idiot dare let his or her friends into a bookstore without giving them a complete rundown about how those books were made? Certainly not. Do that thing. There you have it. Another episode is in the books. Thanks for hanging out with me, and I look forward to the next time we get to talk paper scissors.
Thank you.